From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast and I'm the bomb. Happy Tutu Tuesday and welcome to Burncast. In today's episode, we meet up with Jessica Hobbs at Burning Man 2007. We also have a chat in the middle of a dust storm with truck driver Larry Malik. But first, as always, the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. First up, things are really going off in the burner community as everybody prepares for Burning Man. At Burncast TV, we've got Diva Danielle coming at you every week with the Burncast Video Events blog. And we need your help. We're trying to focus on Playa events, your Playa events. What's happening at Burning Man this year? What are you doing and when are you doing it? Burncast wants to know. Let us know by clicking on the Post Apply Event link at the top of the big column at our website, burncast.tv. Second up on the Burncast Community Bulletin Board, I'm creating a virtual temple for 2009 dedicated to those lost since last year's burn. It will be made into a video and intended for members of the community, including their friends and family and their pets too. What I need to make this video is photos from your loved one. Whoever has lost somebody this year and is taking his or her memory to memorialize in the temple is welcome. So for instance, if you lost your parent, but they've never been to Black Rock City, it doesn't matter. If you lost a coworker, but they've never been to Black Rock City, it doesn't matter. What matters here is celebrating their lives and what they meant to you. I've started a Flickr poll that you're free to join, but if you don't have an account or you'd rather not contribute photos there, simply email them to me at burncast at gmail.com. So to reiterate, what I need to make this video are photos of your friends and family who've passed away since the last Burning Man. Please include their names. Also, please add only nine photos at the most. Let me know which one is your favorite. The limit of nine photos and your favorite one will assist me in making the video and highlighting the one you like the most. In the past, I've made videos based on the photos I found in the deceased's profile at Tribe or Facebook. And being a curator of the images of many people I don't know is a little awkward for me. So this is why I ask for your participation. If you join the Flickr poll, be sure to tag the images as follows so that I can find them. And that is Burning Man 2009, Temple 2009, and Burncast Memorial 2009. And finally, I need these images no later than August 15th, 2009. Okay, that's a wrap for the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. Let's move on with today's episode. Our first guest is Jessica Hobbs, who was collaborating on the Mechabolic, a trash-to-fuel land-speed racer slug at Burning Man 2007. More about the Mechabolic following the interview. I'm going to read you a snippet from the bio of Jessica's website. Here we go. People have often described Jessica Hobbs as someone trying to lead a compulsively artistic life, which is more or less true. She started her adventure in a small Sierra foothill town and eventually meandered her way to the San Francisco Bay Area. Along the way, Jess has worn many hats, running and creating community art programs, counseling teenagers, curating, exhibiting, designing, photographing, and playing with some girls who love lipstick and accelerants. She's an MFA graduate from the San Francisco Art Institute and has been wandering and creating in that dust fest for well over a decade. She believes collaboration is the key in community and art. 
This idea formally began with her collaborative performance work at University of California, Santa Cruz, and has continued to be a core element in her artistic practice. This core value can be seen in her work directing the Crucible Steel Gallery at Cellspace, in her creations as a Flaming Lotus Girl, and in her work wrangling the Shipyard Labs. Okay, so without any further ado, let's listen to Jessica Hobbs at Burning Man 2007. My name's Jessica Hobbs, and I'm one of the artists who's collaborated on the Mechabolic Project, which is our trash-to-fuel land speed slug, or speculations in machine cyborg metabolism. What it is is a machine that can take waste from the city and generate fuel with it. So in particular, we've taken the coffee waste from Center Camp, and we're running that, we're gasifying it, and turning it into fuel. How do you do that? <laughs> if you confine combustion to any sort of enclosed structure, you can pull off volatile fuels from it. So in particular, the main fuels we're pulling off are hydrogen and carbon monoxide. And you can put, any of the, you can put those into any combustion engine. So we have a Chevy block racing engine, which we're putting it into. So this project is also a little bit of hot rod fetishism as well. <laughs> And it's already a burn night, Saturday night. Where are you at with this project? The project's just about to move. We realized we were building this out here on the playa, so we wanted to coincide with some specific things that were going on. So tonight you have the man burning down. Um, you have crude awakenings going off. And it's kind of interesting that here we are, you know, crude awakenings blowing down an oil derrick. The man, although green man, is still made out of wood and still burning down. Um, and then here we are starting tonight, um, starting our land speed slug off of the waste of the city and kind of bringing in the new era or new ideas behind fuel. Yeah, you mentioned uh, off tape about an organic chemist that came by and, and, and gave you some feedback. What did he say? The organic the chemist that came by, it was probably one of the better reactions interaction she was just really excited that these are things she intimately knows she knows that like the chemical structures of biomass of plant matter of cellulose break down in certain ways and can produce fuel and she she understands this on a chemical equation level and understands how it processes biologically but you know here she was really excited that somebody visually extracted that and created this sculpture based on the ideas she knows very well and very intimately. Tonight's going to be its virgin voyage and what are, what are people going to see? So what they're going to see is a very slow moving creature um, that's why we um, decided to take on you know the slug idea not only the slow movement of the creature but also that it's a scavenger, that it eats, you know, that it eats detritus, that it's, you know, it's, it's eating waste on the forest floor. And it'll just be slow moving. You'll hear a lot of noise. You'll hear the Lister engine. It shakes the whole piece. You'll hear the Chevy block engine. It's just loud and grr and, I don't know, very masculine. <laughs> <laughs> but then you'll also see the plants beside it, and you'll see the, the fuel burning in the gaslight system above. And it'll be a whole experience that people can actually step up onto and watch and, you know, listen to all the noises going on and um, actually be able to talk to us a little bit about what we're talking about and why 
this is important and why we have the plants there and why we're burning the fuel and showing this carbon negative process. I also know that you happen to teach these workshops called Radical Collaboration. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that? Well, I, I started to look at the work I did as an, a solo artist and also like small collaborations um, versus the work I did with the Flaming Lotus Girls. And just trying to process that, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, you know, that's what I do in my life. And I think I always try to look at what I do and process it. And it was really sort of a mystery, like how do we operate? The Flaming Lotus Girls like, were this strange collection of people who are artists, scientists, engineers, you know, fabricators. And we come together and we create these monumental pieces. And we don't necessarily all step into a role. We don't say, well, this is what I do out in real world, so this is what I'll do for this project. We all have the ability to choose, to explore, and we still manage to get this process done. We still manage to get the piece done, and how does that happen? And so I started to create workshops based on that process and the idea that it's not so much about strict roles, which I think is traditional collaboration. You know, you have this person's the technology person, this person's the you know, artistic or vision person. Um, it's more flexible? Yeah, it's more flexible and, you know, just really taking a deeper look at that process and how do you create a workshop to teach that. So I've been teaching that to college students, teaching them to let go of themselves individually as an artist and just challenge them to work as an entity together to create something in the end. And I, I don't tell them what to do. I don't structure it like this is how you're going to collaborate and this is what you're doing. I kind of set parameters and give guidelines, but it's really, I allow them to create their own structure. And what they do is they collaborate. You know, I'll give them tools, I'll give them props, I'll give them objects, but then I'll challenge them. I'll say, okay, here's what you have. Now you're a group. What are you going to do with it? And they also write a manifesto about themselves, and then they produce a piece in the end. I know you've collaborated now on Mechabolic and on uh, several Flaving Lotus Girls project. Can you compare uh, the collaborative process between these two? This process was very different. Um, Me Mechabolic, you mean? Yeah, Mechabolic, the process for creating this piece was very different. Um, there's so many pieces to it, and you know, I, I do envision this, envision this as a multi-year project. It was just there were a lot of pieces and people were working kind of individually and not so much in collaboration. And there were certain I don't know, personalities that got bigger and more insistent about certain things that were going on in the project. And that just didn't allow for as much play, for as much spontaneity, um, which I think is really the most important piece and sometimes the, the most exciting part of a piece is like you never know what you're going to get in the end. And I think that's always what I appreciate is about letting go of your first vision and realizing let that the project reveal itself. Yeah, let the project reveal itself. There are many aspects of this project that have been allowed to reveal themselves. And I think it's, it's a process of learning. It's a newer collaborative group and we're not gonna be perfect. This is a learning experience here. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll take this home and grow from it and be able to continue with the piece and explore and have fun. As opposed to last year's Serpent Mother, working on that project. Serpent Mother was a lot of, a lot of fun. It challenged the group, the Flaming Lotus Girls, and 
pushed us really beyond what we had ever done. And, you know, I think we, we've had to spend this last year sort of, you know, kind of looking at what we did and reassessing. And we t we've taken this year to continue the piece, to finish it, to send it off to Amsterdam, and to not focus on a piece here. But also, by doing that, we've realized the importance of doing a piece for Burning Man. Because this is the place that all the members of our group can go. When we take a piece like to Australia or to Chicago or to Amsterdam, the whole group, I mean, just logistically, it's not possible for all of us to go. And I think it's really important because we are such a large collaborative group to have a place where at least once a year, everybody that's involved can, has a chance to um, be able to be a part of the piece and its construction and just its, its showcase as well. Do you have any advice for collaborative projects coming to the play? I think my biggest advice is if you're not having fun, then maybe it's not working. And maybe you need to let go. And maybe you need to look back at like why you started the piece. Now you're saying you as an individual or you as a group? I think as a group. I think sometimes individuals can have issues or, you know, a bad day and they're not going to have fun. Um, but I think as a group, if you're not collaborating, you're not talking to each other, and you're in the end not having fun, then why are you doing it? But when do you take your pulse? I mean, at what point are you just patient and allowing things to, you know, be what they are and let it pass? Yeah. And when you say it really is not working? Yeah. I, I think you give it your best effort. I mean, definitely with this project, there's, um, at the beginning of the week, the vision for what was going to be finished was much different than what we sort of allowed to let go and go with here. And we realized that we challenged ourselves with building the entire project on the playa. And that's huge. And challenging. Challenging and not possible. <laughs> and I think we realized the biggest thing we're taking away from this are all the conversations we're having. I mean, what? what are you talking about? People who come up to the piece and just either they understand it right away or you talk to them a little bit and there's the aha, there's that, oh, wow, that's what you're doing here, you know, oh, you're taking waste from the playa to, you know, generate energy on this piece. And I think that's the most important part. And I think that's also what we were, we realized from the beginning too, is the conversations were a key part of this piece and a key part of why we were bringing this out here. So the education aspect of it? Yeah, I think the education aspect is the biggest part. I mean, the whole piece was created to be a space um, for people to walk through and to experience the visuals of like the hot rod engine and the planter boxes right next to it, and chipper shredders that are painted like hot rod cars. and. And just to make the connections between car culture and environment and new ideas behind fuel. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Jessica Hobbs at Burning Man 2007. Throughout the week, the Mechabolic remained a work in progress. 
Then, on Sunday morning, the day after the second man burned, the megabolic finally moved a distance of 68 feet. That is nearly one foot for every $1,000 spent on the project, according to reports. Okay, next up on today's episode is Larry Malik, a truck driver who's transported many large-scale art installations to Black Rock City. In this recording, a rather small dust storm was passing through, and I was wearing a face mask through most of it, so sorry if I sound a bit muffled. Okay, here we go. What's your name? Uh, Larry yeah, Malik. Yeah. I mean, we actually Larry, you've been coming to Burning Man for 10 years. What do you remember about your first year? Oh, really? Uh, when I came in the gate, the friendliness and the camaraderie among the group of people I met. And that's continued on ever since. That every time I come in each year, it's a very friendly, uh, safe environment. Do you think that's changed or remained the same in 10 years? Well, I thought I was completely strange. It was exactly the opposite to what I expected. Oh, really? What did you expect? Uh, much more probably where people weren't as cohesive, where you'd have problems melding in or whatever. You know, I, I didn't realize it would be such a uh, symbiotic group of people. Is that what brings you back every year? Pretty much, yeah. And of course the hard work. <laughs> what are you talking about for our listening yeah, audience? Doing the transportation, obviously, as the projects get larger, it takes a lot more thought and physically hard work to get everything loaded. What are you working on this year? Um, this year I transported up the Metabolic and the Treehouse and the Big Rig Jig. Wow. And also Shannon O'Hare's Never Was. Wow. That's awesome. What's that like to be involved on, on that level, to be really behind the scenes? People um, just think these, this stuff appears. Well, it's you, you get to know the artists, obviously, personally, and you feel very connected to the project because you're the person who kind of takes it from its safe surrounding in the Bay Area and plonks it down out here. And so they become like kind of like uh, your own personal property or whatever when you're on the highway. So yeah, so you feel totally involved. Did you come here to work 10 years ago or were you a, a visitor the first no, year? No, I was working. Oh, so you've been yeah, working I every I came in as a trucker. And you're, you remain as a trucker. And I probably should correct that. I think it's seven actually now that I'm oh, recalling okay. back. Yeah, seven. Okay. So yeah, I came here as a, I knew a bit about the, uh, or thought I knew a little bit about the uh, festival, but I came up uh, sort of out of the blue. I was just hired to do the job and with about 48 hours notice. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. What was the first job? It was, I believe, uh, Larry Harvey's uh, the bar, the duck bar. Oh, the duck bar, okay. Yeah. Do you remember some people on that gig? Uh, well, I've, that's where I first met uh, Dave Pedroli. Yeah, he was the super. one who helped me load it. <laughs> you know Wavy? Yes, David, I did. David Cruz? Yes. And uh, of course, what happened with the uh, with the duck was kind of interesting because it was built, and we really had to figure out how do you transport it. 
because it was built from a foam and wood material, so it's impossible to tie it down. So we actually framed it to the trailer, which Dave actually did. Did an incredible framing job. Yeah. You know, just like it would frame a regular house. So that was your first Burning Man? Yes. That's when I met Super Dave and Wavy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been, uh, every, every year after that, someone tends to contact me. Do you have one truck? Uh, we have, I, don't, I don't know enough about we, your industry. We have three. Okay. So uh, that's how you're Yeah, it, it's not to be now that the larger projects require up to three trucks, you know, with some even requiring even more. So it's three truckloads per project. Where the first few years I did it, we would actually even have two projects on the same truck. So in the in the time that you've been coming, and I know you're working at the event and you have an emotional investment in the event, what kind of changes have you seen? Sorry. I'm sorry. I've got a dust mask on and it's not even dusty anymore. <laughs> there we go. That's better. Uh, what kind of changes have you seen? Well, de definitely in the scale of the projects and, of course, the larger attendance. Where the projects have become so big, they, people need to confer with me very early on in the early construction phases of the project because they realize transpo is a big issue. Of course, when you arrive now, it's a, an array of heavy equipment meets you. Not like in the old days where it was just a single boom truck and a heister. So what did you think of the burn last night? Uh, it was incredible, the, especially the burn of the oil derrick. Yeah, that, that was maybe the best I've seen. Do you have any advice for artists coming to Burning Man for the first time? Definitely examine all the, you know, depending on the size of thing you're bringing, really examine all your options. Uh, that often it's better to use an experienced per person that renting trucks and so on can become really, really expensive if you don't know all the rules and regulations and so on. And of course those have become stricter also recently. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. That was Larry Malik, a truck driver at Burning Man 2007. We'll wrap up this episode of Burncast with a music set from DJ Sadu, available at BassRitual.com. listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. 
Follow Burncast on Twitter or join our fan page on Facebook. Contact us by calling 775-363-5861. If you appreciate our podcast, we'd appreciate your support. So please, make a PayPal donation to burncast at gmail.com. Music in today's show is by DJ Sadu, available at baseritual.com. A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts. 